Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I do not understand this football name in America. How how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks? I'm going to say it once and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams and then a toss and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be beeping me! It's Jonathan Elway. He was so sassy and cool and, hey guys, I'm a cowboy. Bang, bang, sling, sling, toss, toss. I'm going to lose all the time. And then I win and then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gillikin. Yes, I'm Kevin Gillikin, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany, but as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. Hello Broncos fans. Yes, I am back. Um, as you can probably hear in my voice, I'm still not 100% at all. Um, but yeah, I've been gone for a few weeks now and I didn't want another week to go by without, you know, having a little bit of a conversation with you about our beloved Denver Broncos, even though there is not much going on. It is, as the skipper dude will talk a little bit about later, it's a uh, low 
time for sports, at least in the USA, and I think really in the world. You know, the one thing I've actually been kind of following is the Women's um, World Cup soccer. I know, giggle, giggle. I'm sure people are going to get a laugh out of that, but it it was entertaining. I like watching greatness, um, and the women's soccer team absolutely exudes greatness at this point. They're really a head above everyone else. And that's something that should absolutely be appreciated. Even if you don't like the sport, especially if you don't like women's soccer, I understand it's it's a different sport. It's it's not as technical. It's not as nice. Um, I like women's soccer because it is generally, and honestly, the the U.S. women's soccer team may be an exception. Like when they score, there's there's true joy. You know, there's unbridled joy. It's not an act. There's no show. There's no planned celebration. It's just. Wow, I feel great. I just scored a goal. Now the U.S. they they upset me a little bit because they did have these 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 you know planned celebrations, and then that's part of why I like women's soccer is that they don't do that usually. So that's what upset me a little bit about the U.S. But whatever. I mean, they can celebrate all they want. When you're that good, you deserve to to pretend to drink a British cup of tea, and there, there's no problem with that. So well done to the U.S. women. Um, I know. No one came on here to listen to me talk about um, women's soccer. Um, what's going on in, in the Denver Broncos verse? Um, training camp starts in just a few weeks. So, of course, we'll really start getting rolling in the um, football season here pretty soon, which, thank goodness, I know we're all ready for it. I know that you know everyone's uh, ready to not hear anything more about the best-looking Broncos players, even though that was pretty interesting, I think. Uh, ended up being Emmanuel Sanders' Um, Noah Fant and I think who was number three I think I think it might have been McManus it might have been McManus or it was, it was either Miller or McManus one of the two um, but Emmanuel Sanders of course he won out he's he's the he's the sexy Bronco um, I'm sure you all really cared <clears throat> again apologies for my voice um, what I wanted to talk about a little bit today and it'll be a bit of a shorter podcast because there's not a whole lot going on um, the list came out and I believe is NFL.com published their top 10 teams of the last 10 seasons. Um, and it's a list that's worthy of, of debate. It's worthy of going through and saying, you know, I disagree. But, you know, it's it's obviously something that someone, it's someone's opinion, you know, or maybe maybe people voted on it. It's, it's many people's opinion. I don't even know. Um, and the list is okay. Um, there are a few things I would change. I mean, they don't have the 2015 Broncos. They've got the 2013 Broncos, which is obviously debatable. And the 2015 team obviously won the Super Bowl, but they had a terrible offense throughout the year. Uh, one of the best defenses of all time. So it, it's an interesting thing to look at and to to discuss. Um, I think that they have the 2017 Eagles at number three, which is a really interesting thing because they are like one of the most unsexy teams to win the Super Bowl in the last forever um, but when you go back and you look at their stats, they were a really, really balanced team. They had, they were top 10 in both offense and defense. They, they didn't make many mistakes. They were well coached. They just played the game really well, but they weren't that team that just stuck out. You know, no one, no one saw them coming, especially when you had, you know, had Nick Foles come in and, and lead them to a Super Bowl. That was really an unbelievable story. Um, but them at number three, I don't know. And they have the 2015 Panthers. Okay, let's go through the list real quick. I'm sorry. For anyone who hasn't seen the list, uh, you can find it on NFL.com. It was all over Twitter the other day. So I imagine most of you have seen it. Um, so one through 10, they have number, we'll go, we'll go at number 10. How about that? We'll go 10 through one. So number 10 
in the top 10 teams of the last 10 seasons, they have the 2017 Jaguars, um, the Jags, led by none other than Blake Bortles. Uh, Number nine, they had 2018 Chiefs, of course, led by Pat Mahomes. (coughs) Number eight was the 2011 Packers. Uh, seven was the 2012 49ers, led, of course, by Kaepernick. 2015, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I'm sorry, that's number six, the 2015 Cardinals. Number five was the 2013 Broncos, of course, led by the one of the all-time greatest offensive performances at, you know, ever by Peyton Manning. Um, number four, 2016 Patriots. Uh, number three, the 2017 Eagles above the 2016 Patriots. Number two, the 2015 Panthers. Eh. And number one, 2013 Seahawks. Now, the Seahawks at number one, I'm cool with that. They they came in and destroyed the Broncos, had one of the greatest defenses ever. They did, and I don't love it. Of course I don't love it. I don't love that team. I hate that team because they beat the Broncos, but that was a great defense. You look at their stats, you look what they did. Um, they, of course, had a young Russell Wilson. I think they deserve number one. That That's an okay thing. I, I don't mind that at number one. The Panthers at two and the Eagles at three, yeah, I, that, I don't know. I, I don't love that. I, I think they're they're too high. I think the Patriots should be higher. I think the Broncos should be higher. Um, even, you know, you start going down the list, I guess the problem is that many of these teams were really unbalanced, and that, that's one of the things I really want to talk about. What made these teams great? I don't even really want to argue my my version of what this list should be. I want to I want to talk about what these teams had in common and what they didn't have in common. What made them great? Why are they the top 10 of the last 10 years? And it's a pretty interesting study. <coughs> Excuse me. I and and so if you look through these 10 teams my my argument as, as anyone who's listened to the show for a while will know, I believe that, of course, the, the main thing in a team is, is your quarterback. You have to have a good quarterback one way or another to win. That That's just almost always the case. Every now and then, you can get away with it not being the case. But usually, you have to have a great quarterback. Now, that quarterback either, in my opinion, needs to be a veteran who is an MVP caliber player like Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, or they need to be a young quarterback on a rookie contract who's good or very good, like Russell Wilson, and be able to build your team around a cheap contract at quarterback. Now, what I think doesn't work is is guys like Blake Bortles, who is a veteran, um, expensive quarterback who's just simply not very good, um, or definitely not great. And and so you do see these exceptions. I mean, Bortles is that number ten team. Uh, he did lead them to it to a number six level offense. So he had one good season, really good rushing team. Um. But that, in my opinion, is kind of the, that's not the norm. The, the, the norm, as we see in this list, you have four MVP caliber quarterbacks um, that were expensive. So I don't count Russell Wilson because uh, he, was, he was still on his rookie contract. He was still cheap. Um, so I'm looking at the Panthers with, with Cam Newton. Honestly, I, I'm not a huge Cam Newton guy, but he was the MVP in 2015. So, of course, I have to count him in that season. Um, you had the Patriots with Brady. You had the Broncos with Peyton Manning. You had the Packers with um, Aaron Rodgers. So out of that list, you had four MVP caliber expensive quarterbacks. Now, out of the top 10, you also had four cheap quarterbacks. 
You had Russell Wilson with the Seahawks. You had Colin Kaepernick with the um, 49ers. You had Pat Mahomes with the Chiefs. And you had Carson Wentz with the Eagles. And ended up being Nick Foles, who was also relatively cheap, obviously being the backup. Now, the only two outliers are Carson Palmer, who was a veteran. Now, he had a great season, and he had a couple really good seasons, so I think he is one of those who's kind of hard to define. I don't think he was ever MVP caliber, but he was in the conversation, so he's on the on the edge of being one of those guys who was a veteran who was worth that money. Um, not many guys are. Uh, he's kind of like a Matt Ryan guy, you know, Matt Ryan who doesn't get enough credit. He's not really... He's, he's not usually in the MVP consideration, even though he probably should be. Um, so Palmer's on the edge. The one guy, like I said earlier, who really is an outlier was Blake Bortles. And Blake Bortles, as we all know, you know, he's he's not a guy who's going to win you many games. He usually makes more mistakes than not and ended up, you know, in the end, not going too far in those playoffs, even though they probably should have because they, they had a really great defense, the number two defense in the in the league at the time. Now, in this top 10 list, you do have seven top 10 defenses at the time. Um, you have a couple that were that were the number one defense. Uh, that would be the 2013 Seahawks. Um, no, they were the only, they were the one top, I'm sorry, they were, the, they were the only one that was the top defense. The Jags were the number two defense overall. Um, but seven top 10 Ds, and then you have seven top 10 offenses. So uh, again, very interesting because you had, Again, some great offenses. You had the 2013 Broncos, which was the number one offense. 2015 Cardinals, the number one offense. The 2018 Chiefs, the number one offense. Um, now, what again, some, the outlier for some of these teams, the 2018 Chiefs and the 2011 Packers being a great example, that they had great offenses, <clears throat> top five offenses, but the Chiefs had the second worst defense in all of football last season in 2018. And the Packers had the worst defense in the NFL. And so they were really kind of this extreme, you know, how do you say it? This extreme team that only won on one side of the ball. And that doesn't happen very often. You usually have to have a pretty balanced team one way or another. And the Broncos were another case in 2013. They had the 19th overall defense. They this they weren't very good. Obviously, they, they got absolutely destroyed by that 2013 Seattle team that um, ended up winning the Super Bowl, of course. Um, and and so it's an interesting thing. Again, when you look through this, I wanted to find the the points for why teams become great. What, what makes teams great? The top 10 teams of the last 10 seasons. Why? And you know, it's kind of hard to say. That there's no, there aren't a whole lot of things that stick out here. Now the thing you know what what sticks out is is typically most of them had really good quarterback play, but not all of them. I mean the 49ers, Colin Kaepernick had a couple really good games, but he came in at week ten. You know he led them to a Super Bowl, but that was a lot of it. I mean I I have in my my notes here that you know they were the number three defense, but they they weren't a top ten offense. They were they were not that great on offense, and they were led by a really good. Um, scheme a really good offensive scheme that changed after Alex Smith got hurt in week 10 and so that was an interesting thing to see that you know even that team you know Kaepernick was the name but they were absolutely led by their by a great defense um and again the Jags they didn't have a good quarterback 
you know, Nick Foles, he had a great he had a great postseason, but is he a great quarterback? It's it's really fascinating. And I think you see most of these teams had really good defenses. I, I think that's you know, the, the seven teams that had really good defensive sides, they're the ones who I think set the tone. I think the outliers are the ones who didn't have great defenses. And that would be the again, the 2013 Broncos the um, 2018 Chiefs and 2011 Packers. Now, what did those three teams all have? They had great, great quarterbacks. Of course, you had Mahomes with the Chiefs, Rodgers with the Packers, Manning with the Broncos. And so what we see is that either you need a great defense, a great quarterback, or you need to be really, really balanced like the 2017 Eagles or even the 2017 Jags. And so if that's the case, how can this Broncos team as assembled now, how can they become one of the top teams of the next 10 seasons? What will make them great in the next couple of years? Are they going to be great this year? Probably not. And, and why? Well, I don't see this defense as being a top, okay, maybe top 10, maybe. But I don't think they're a top five defense. And I think people would disagree. I, I've seen people rank them as a top five defense. And I hope that's the case. They, they have some pieces. They have a lot of pieces that could be really good. You know, Miller, Chubb, um, Chris Harris Jr., et cetera. But I, until I see it on the field, I'm not totally convinced. Now, can Vic Fangio make them something special? I think he could. I think he could. Um, and if that's the case, then yeah, we'll, we'll obviously see a better team than, than we expect. Now, I don't think they're yet there yet. They, they need another good draft. They need another good year of bringing in talent. You're going to need to get out, rid of some of these big contracts and kind of still keep a, a slow rebuild, you know, or, you know, a rebuild while trying to contend, which is what Elway always tries to do. And so, you know, it, again, if it's not going to be a great defense, you have to have a great quarterback. And that's what we see. That's what we either, okay, or you have to be balanced. But yeah, I mean, I guess if this team, I'm sorry, I'm kind of rambling, thinking to myself now. I'm arguing with myself how this team is going to be, you know, a top 10 team because I don't think they are this season. But if they were, if, if this team is going to be a top 10 team in 2019, they will have to do it by being extremely balanced. They're going to have to be, the 2017 Eagles. They need to to have a good offense, a good defense, two top 10 sides of the ball, and they need to do it clean. They need to do it well coached. They need to be disciplined. They need to not make mistakes. And that's something that we could see. This coaching staff could be it, but we don't know. We still don't know because they've never done it. Fangio has never been a head coach in the NFL. So we don't know, but he could. So the defense is already there. They could be top 10. I don't think anyone disagrees with that. They could be. The offense, they've got some weapons. Now, can they be top 10? They're going to need, obviously, a great performance from Joe Flacco. They're going to need Philip Lindsay to stay healthy. They're going to need Emmanuel Sanders to stay healthy. They're going to need a lot of things to go right. But they've got some pieces that could really make them a lot more dangerous than they've been lately. Noah Fant, mark my words, that dude is going to change this team. I think he's going to change it right away. I said it as soon as they picked him. He's going to be a top three tight end in the NFL this season. Write it down, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk a little bit more about that 
in our next segment, our next segment is going to go to Skipper Dude. And actually, he's going to talk a little bit about sportsmanship, um, a little more off-season uh, tribute. Again, as we have a few weeks left, a little bit of fluff, as he would say. Um, and then I will wrap up the show just kind of finishing my thoughts about where the Broncos are headed and how I feel as we're only a few weeks away from training camp and the beginning of the NFL season. Skipper Dude, up next after this quick break. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks as always for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So my goodness, Kevin, the second week of July is a tough time of year for sports fans. The NFL is basically dead for another week or two. Major League Baseball is in its dog day doldrums. Personally, I know I'm not a big fan of the All-Star game even. And the NBA and NHL are in hibernation. It's one of the couple worst sports weeks of the year. And I know for me, I'm as excited for this upcoming Broncos season as I have been probably since 2014 or 2015. But right now, I feel like a five-year-old in, in the early December who just knows that Santa's going to deliver the goods this year. But Christmas morning is still so far away that I'm trying not to think about Christmas. So, Kevin, I think I'm going to follow your lead and what is undoubtedly the lead of Bronco players and staff. Try to avoid Christmas fatigue later this month. Take a step away from the Broncos this week. And let's talk about some of my all-time favorite acts of sportsmanship. There are some great stories here. I think you'll enjoy them. So, for starters, I'm a guy who's deeply touched when I see players from opposing teams kneeling in prayer together either before or after games or, or holding hands even as a player is carted off the field after a potentially serious injury. That kinship between game day enemies is just a great thing to behold. So, so one of my favorite recent traditions of sportsmanship is the jersey swap. Von Miller has done several, including one with division rival Justin Houston. I, I look at that as a way for these players to kind of transcend the warfare of game day and remind us that, that they do regard each other at the end of day as family. Back in 2016, Vaughn and the Rams' Robert Quinn exchanged signed jerseys after the Broncos' 17-9 preseason win, and I thought Quinn's quote about it was right on target. I respect his game, Quinn said. He's one of the best players in the league, not just pass rushers, best players. It's just an honor to hang it up in my trophy room. The 5'8 jersey. It's always good to look at that. It's a mutual respect thing. What's easy for us as fans to forget 
is the extraordinary respect these players have for each other. And despite there being gladiators and warriors for 60 minutes on game day, there is a mutual admiration there. A couple years ago, Von, Ma Von made a, a comment on his Instagram uh, account about how he was going, how he was looking forward to the coming year and was going to be rolling up a ton of sacks. Tom Brady got on and commented on his post and saying something to the effect of, Darn, Vaughn, I was hoping you were going to play cornerback this year. So for me, that's the kind of fun-loving good nature that makes the sports world great. Now the second act of great sportsmanship is probably the most truly heroic and one that I believe created a hero who was even bigger than his sport. Back in 2010, a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, Armando Galarraga, was one out from throwing the 21st perfect game in Major League Baseball history. Cleveland's Jason Donald hit a slow ground ball to first baseman Miguel Cabrera, who fed Galarraga covering first base and beat the runner by almost half a step. But umpire Jim Joyce, in what was possibly the worst call in Major League history, called Donald safe. At that point, I think most pitchers would have lost their composure and had a meltdown right there. But Galarraga only smiled in disbelief, even after the game as he, as he interviewed. He showed no ill will at all towards Joyce, despite having been denied his place in history. For me, it was truly heroic virtue in sportsmanship. The next day, in a scene that still chokes me up when I see it, Joyce worked behind home plate for the Tigers and Indians game, and Tigers manager Jim Leland sent Galarraga out with a lineup card. Jim Joyce broke down crying. The two hugged each other and put an end to what had been had to have been the toughest 24 hours of either of their lives. But parents, if your children are looking to the sports world to find their heroes, start with Armando Galarraga and June 10th, 2010. Now my third act of sportsmanship comes from the golf world. The 1969 Ryder Cup at the Royal Burke, uh, Burkdale Club in Southport, England, was tied as the final pair of, of United States um, Jack Nicholas and England's Tony Jacqueline played the 18th hole. Both, both the tournament and that match were tied. Nicholas sank a four-foot par putt, which left Jacqueline with a two-foot par putt to tie and ensure the first tie in the 42-year history of the Ryder Cup. Imagine the pressure on Jacqueline at that point, but Nicholas reached down and picked up his opponent's ball marker and conceded the putt. After the match, Nicholas said he didn't want to put Jacqueline through the pressure of making that kind of gimme putt before thousands of British fans. I don't think you would have missed that putt, Nicholas told Jacqueline, but in these circumstances, I would never give you the opportunity. What a class act by a classy golfer. Okay, so now my, my fourth and final great act of sportsmanship is actually my personal favorite just because it was so quirky. It may be one that not more than a dozen or so fans in the entire world even noticed when it happened. And so you'll never see it discussed out on the internet. But it was the epitome of grace for a guy who I thought was a legend of sportsmanship. And I honestly don't even remember the year. It might have been 2003 or 2004. But it was roughly mid-career for Todd Helton of the Colorado Rockies. They were playing an afternoon game against some nondescript team. I want to say it was the Pirates. But anyway... Helton is hitting with a 1-2 count, and he swings and misses at a ball in the dirt for strike three. Only the home plate umpire heard what sounded like contact, so he indicates a foul ball and keeps Helton's at bat alive. 
Heldon started walking back to the dugout, thinking he'd struck out, when he hears the umpire yell foul. At first, Helton kind of looks back at the umpire and very gently shakes his head no. But at that point, it was too late. The umpire had already made the call, and he couldn't change it. So Helton catches the Pirates catcher's attention and says something to him. The pitcher winds up, throws a batting practice-type fastball right down the middle, and Helton never takes the bat off his shoulder. The umpire rang him up for strike three, and Helton walked back to the dugout. That, to me, just epitomized the essence of sportsmanship. No cheating, no bending the rules, no taking advantage of bad calls, even. I struck out, and fair is fair. So, my friends, as we gear up for the 2019 NFL season, it's good to take some time to reflect on what's important to us and why we call ourselves fanatics of the teams and the sports that we love. Is it just winning, or is it something more than that? For, for me, anyway, sports is all about the human drama, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, as the saying used to go. And as the human drama unfolds over the coming months, the sportsmanship, the highs, the lows, the quirky moments, you can be sure we'll be right here to share it with you on Broncos and Bratwurst. Kevin, back to you. Thank God I'm a country boy. Well, a simple kind of life never did me no harm Raising me a family and working on a farm As always, good stuff from the Skipper Dude. Thanks a lot to him. Um, some good stories, Bob. Yeah, that, there really are just those stories that kind of... They, they bring a tear to my eye, too. The, the, the Galarraga story was one that, if I remember right, I, my memory tells me that I watched that live. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was a highlight. But but it seems like I watched that live. Because I remember there was a... You know, they always have those... Um, warning, you know, like if you're watching ESPN, they'll they'll move over to to the game or or you know MLB Network because something crazy is happening. And they were down to the last out of a perfect game, and that whole story happened. I remember just being just totally shocked from that call, and and it just it's it's a rough thing because you know you you get so much crap as a as an official. And I was a when I was in high school, I was an umpire. That is a really hard thing. It's 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 a thing that it's not an easy job. You it's a game of inches, and you're trying to get every single inch correct. And I see over and over now on Twitter, especially guys complaining about the strike zone, or people complaining about referees in in soccer, or complaining about referees in 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 the NFL. And you know, sometimes you just have a bad a guy who shouldn't have the job. Angel Hernandez, if anyone knows baseball, knows that guy should not have a job. Just shouldn't. He's not a good umpire. But most of the guys, you know, they generally do a good job. They get most calls right. And if they don't, it's a game of inches. They're, they're trying to call, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pitches correctly in the you know, in, in, in baseball. And in the NFL, they're trying to watch 11 guys, and they're trying to watch holds, and they're trying to watch pass interference, and they're trying to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Tough. It's a tough job. And I think we, we as fans, want to, to blame someone other than our players because we love our players. And I think that's something that we should all sit back and think about. Like, hey, you know, give them a break. Sometimes, yeah, they make mistakes. Sometimes it goes our way. Sometimes it goes against us. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Um, as far as, you know, this, I, I want to end the show just talking a little bit about expectations for, for um, training camp and the Broncos heading forward. As I said in the first segment, I think this team needs to try to win with balance. They're, they're not going to have a great defense. They're not going to have a great quarterback or a great offense. I don't think anyone expects either. I think there are, I think that the expectations for the defense from a lot of people are too high. 
They're too high. We, we haven't seen this defense yet. Fangio, he would have to kind of pull a minor miracle to have a great defense in year one. He could do it. He's a great coach, and he's got some good talent. But I, let's you know, calm down a little bit about the defense. Let's calm down a little bit about our expectations. I, as, as far as last I looked, Las Vegas has the Broncos as winning seven games this year. Now, Vegas is usually pretty right about these things. That's why they, they've got more money than we do, right? I mean, there's a reason why they make these. They have very, very talented people who, who go through and look at the numbers and look at the, you know, the talent and whatnot. That being the case, yeah, if things go right, they could, of course, win more than seven. But let's not get too overhyped this year. Let's look at this team as a rebuilding team. Now, that could change if Joe Flacco has a crazy good year. If Noah Fant becomes, you know, the rookie of the year type player that he could be. If that happens, then yeah. You know, sign me up. But they need to win around balance. They need to find a way to have a team that has an identity on offense, especially. They need to know what they can do, know what they're good at, and do it. Something that they failed to do the last few years, as we all know. No one ever knew what to expect from this team. They didn't know what the team wanted to try to be. Were they a running team? Were they a passing team? Were they, you know, a screen team? Were they a deep ball team? Okay, no, not with Keenum, but... But they, they, they never really had that identity. And I think that that's something they could change this year. They could find their path. They could find what they want to be. And they have talent. There is absolutely talent. You look at the, 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 the guys catching the ball from, from Flacco. And you look at, of course, Emmanuel Sanders leading the way. You've got um, Cortland Sutton. Um, Deshaun Hamilton, I think, is going to have a solid year out of the slot. Um, you've got Noah Fant, you've got Philip Lindsay, who hopefully now will be, you know, sent out of the backfield to catch some, some balls uh, as well. Uh, he's got the talent. Yeah. I think he probably has to work on the catching ability, but with a guy like him, I, I fully believe he can pick that up. So if you have guys, imagine, you know, if you got a backfield, you got a double backfield of, of Lindsay and Freeman and Lindsay is kind of this scat back guy who could always be catching balls out of the backfield while Freeman's your, your power runner. That could be a really good running tandem. Now, of course, that all depends or mostly depends on the offensive line. That's another huge, huge, huge question mark. And it's a big reason why I'm 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 not super excited about this team in 2019. I don't think that's a good offensive line. I don't think there's any reason to believe it is. Now, they did bring in Juwan Williams, who I think is going to be good, um, but we don't know yet. Garrett Bowles, we always hope he's going to be good, but he never is. You know, is McGovern going to be a good center? Yeah, I don't love it. Now, there's some good, there's some really good articles on Um Joe Rolls does a fantastic job. <laughs> the guy is just a total football nerd. Uh, I love it. Totally love it. And he's not the only one. So many of these guys and, and, and ladies over there, they're, they, they're it, for me, it seems like their whole lives are the Broncos. It's amazing. Really, it's amazing. Their, their content is just unbelievable, even in the off season. I don't know how they do it. You know, I mean, I do, I do one podcast and one article a week at most, and I sometimes struggle. These guys, they're awesome. Really, really get all of your information from milehighreport.com. In season, off season, they are the best. Um, anyway, I think that's about all I've got. Um, again, in the next few weeks, we're going to start really breaking down training camp and looking into each individual position, uh, what we think of the positions, what we think of this team moving forward, where are their strengths, where are their weaknesses. And we can, of course, go through the schedule, um, look at you know who they face that, that we're worried about. They have a really, really difficult schedule. They have a really difficult division. Um, I think each team in the West got better. Uh, I think 
San Diego is absolutely a Super Bowl contender. Kansas City, they've had a rough offseason in terms of of off-the-field stuff. Um, But it looks like Hill is only going to have a slap on the wrist, maybe like two-game suspension. So that's not going to hurt them that much, unfortunately. I think the guy should be banned from football forever, but that's just my opinion. Um, Kansas City is going to be good, even though I don't think their defense got much better. Oakland is going to be interesting. They added, obviously, some really interesting pieces with Antonio Brown and um, perfect another time. I don't know. How is Madden going to, uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Gruden going to, how is he going to control that locker room? Seriously, how is he going to control that locker room? It, it, as we talk about over and over and over here, the, the, you know, the locker room matters. You know, guys, guys, attitudes matter. I, I, you just can't convince me otherwise. Maybe somehow you can find a way to win with guys who have attitudes and guys who are about me. I don't see it. I don't see it. I've, I've, I've talked about this several times. Look at Russell Westbrook in the NBA, Oklahoma city. Who who are his teammates now? Nobody, nobody, everybody leaves everybody that they come in, they see his talent. They see his ability on the floor and they're like, Hey, let's do this. And then they come and they play for a couple years and like, uh, no, this isn't going to work. You know why? Because he's all about me and he, he hasn't won. He'll never win. I'm convinced of that. And I think he's just an example I, and again, I think people people don't they don't like when I pick on him. I don't I don't know about him personally. I don't know. I don't like him. I don't, I don't like his antics on the court. I don't like them. I don't like how he acts with fans. And um, I think I think that's totally fair. I mean, if you've watched any Russell Westbrook, unless you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, I don't get how you like him. Talented, freakish athlete, yeah, but he's not a good player. Overall, he doesn't win. He's not a team player. And, and he's a good example to point at guys who, you know, they don't make a team better. And we're going to see in, in Oakland. I mean, Antonio Brown, he's a great receiver, maybe still the best in the NFL. But if you add a bunch of, of knuckleheads together in one locker room, whew, good luck. Good luck, Gruden. And, and it'll be interesting to watch. And now, of course, I think they're, they're the hard knocks team, right? It, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I saw that, which, yikes. <laughs> Oh, man. And talk about just adding an extra craziness. Anyway, I will see you all next week. Uh, hopefully my voice will be better by then. Um, you all have a fantastic week. Enjoy the summer. And I'll see you next Monday.